This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Pastor Sean here. This is Hopeland Online, and we are jumping into part three of Behold Him. Let's do this. I am excited to be teaching God's word with you today, and I hope you uh, get something from it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us. Anoint this moment. Uh, God, let us be changed. God, uh, grant unto us your divine presence as we read your holy word. And we thank you for the opportunity to behold you today. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. All right, behold him. We're gonna jump right in and begin with Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. This is our theme scripture for the month. Um, the prophet Isaiah prophesied of Jesus coming. And he said in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold. Uh, say it with me, folks, behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and in Matthew, it's quoted as well. And Matthew says, um, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, and, uh, which means God with us. Okay, so just to give a little review as we dive into just some new scriptures and, uh, and, this, and just some uh, new things in regard to beholding him, a new meaning we haven't, touched on them as of yet this month, but the Greek word for behold is once again, uh, behold him. Why do we behold him? It means to see, to look. It means to be sure not to miss this. Uh, behold means seeing becomes knowing, okay? Um, uh, behold is a, is a gateway to grasp a spiritual truth. It is a doorway to Christ. It is uh, when this word behold is used, that means you need to keep reading because there's something behind that, something within that, okay? That can change us, transform us. It's a big deal, okay? We said this, like I believe, the first weekend of the month, but behold means this is a big deal, okay? And so that's what we're talking about. And so today what we're going to talk about is, is kind of um, what happens to me when I behold him, what, what is it? What, what happens? What is that spiritual truth behind that? As the scripture says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. We're called to behold him. This is uh, the invitation. This is the invitation to look in awe at our Savior. This is the invitation to fellowship with him. This is the call to commune with God in Christ. Jesus is a wonder and we are invited into beholding him. Oh, come, let us behold him, born the king of angels, right? So behold is a word intended to excite admiration. Behold is a worshipful word it's a word that speaks of intimacy with God, of knowing him and knowing him even more. Um, if anybody's with you today or you can say it to yourself, 
uh, just declare today, today is the day that I am called to behold him. All right, so here we go. When we behold him, here is my first point. Um, when we truly behold Christ, when we look at him, when we gaze at him, when we worship him, when we spend time with him, when we allow him to be the centerpiece of our, our life, our day, our moment, our existence, we receive his very nature, all right? We receive his very nature, okay? And so um, this is the story of Christmas, Christ Mass. This is what Christmas is all about, that God is born of the Virgin Mary, okay? As the early church fathers would speak of Christ in their Christology, they would say he is begotten, not made, okay? And so I just, I know many of us know this, but I really want to just um, take a look at the incarnation. Incarnation is God becoming man and God being God and man. Uh, one person, Christ, two natures. All right, so I just want to look at that. Why? And, and the reason why, is this is what Christmas is all about. And this is, a, this is a foundation of our faith, the incarnation. Okay, and this is what we are actually celebrating at Christmas. We are celebrating the incarnation that the all-knowing God who always was, is, always will be, the very God that holds the natural elements in place by his very word was begotten of the Virgin Mary, okay? And so I just wanna just kind of look at this because then it's gonna speak to um, this truth that when we behold him, okay, we receive his very nature. We in our humanity receive the divine nature. We take communion. We receive from the very bread of God, as the scripture says, the bread of heaven. We partake of his nature when we behold him. So here it is. These are just some, some, some real foundational um, truths concerning the birth of Jesus and the incarnation. So what is the incarnation? Okay, here we go. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read for my notes. It's the union of the divine nature of the Son of God with human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. That is what the incarnation is. The Son of God assumed our flesh, our body, and soul, all right? And dwelled among us like one of us in order to redeem us, all right? His divine nature was substantially united to our human nature. One person, Christ, two natures, both God and man. Theologians call that the, the hypostatic union. I don't really know what hypostatic means, but I don't think anybody does, to be honest with you. Uh, but it, 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 it has a, a, a reference and inference toward God being both God and man through the person of 
Christ. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through this. I'm gonna share some scriptures. This is the incarnation, folks. Now, why did Jesus have to be 100% man? Why did he have to be man? Okay, why? Um, why couldn't he just come, as it were, just divine in every aspect and not, why did he have to be born? Why, why, why did he have to put, put on human skin, if you will? It's not that God came down and like put on human skin like, like them Terminator movies. You know what I'm saying? They're actually robots, they're aliens, but they got human skin on. It's not that. He was actually born. He actually grew. He actually developed. He actually felt pain. He actually um, walked the earth as a true man. All right, but why? Why did Jesus have to be 100% man? And here it is. I, I know there's a lot to this. The incarnation is a mystery. This is, this is just something so beautiful to look at and study. Why? Because anytime we study this, anytime we look at this, the incarnation, we are really looking at God in us too. We are, it, 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 that is the beginning of God becoming man so that we could be the sons of God. So the incarnation is a foundation of our actual fellowship with God and as to why the Holy Spirit can actually dwell in us. It is through or began with Jesus being begotten of the Virgin Mary. And so here we go. Let me answer it just in a sentence here if I can. Uh, but why did Jesus have to be 100% man? This is why. Jesus had to be a man so that he could identify with us, so that he could truly suffer in our place. If he was only God and not man, he would not have truly suffered, but he truly suffered. Um, he's suffering in our place and sympathizing with us in our weakness. I'm gonna read this again. Uh, Jesus had to be a man so that he could identify with us suffer in our place and sympathize with us in our weakness. Hallelujah. I'm going to put these two verses up and I'm going to read them both pretty quickly here, but just so you have them. Okay. Um, first uh, Peter chapter two, verse 22. First Peter two, verse 22. And then I'm going to read just along with that. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter four verse 15. Okay, I'm just going to kind of read these two here. He committed no sin. No guile was found on his lips. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, everybody say Jesus suffered. If he was only God and only divine, he would have never suffered because God does not suffer. He did not threaten, but he trusted to him, God the Father, who judges justly. All right, here's another one. I'm going to read a couple more verses here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus had to be 100% man. All right, Hebrews 2, 17. Therefore, in all these things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people or propitiation to satisfy the wrath of the father. He had to become like his brethren, humanity, that he might be merciful and faithful. He had to be man. He had to be born of 
the Virgin Mary. Mary could not be divine because Jesus' father is divine, it's God. And Mary had to be human because if Mary was divine, God, the father is divine, that would make Jesus not human. But because he was born of the Virgin Mary, Mary had to be human in order for Christ to be both God and man. All right. And if Mary was divine, that would make her a co-redemptress. There is no co-redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer. Come on, somebody say amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. We receive his very nature to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. When we behold him, we receive his nature. All right. And so there it is. And I know that's pretty simple. Just a few verses. But Jesus had to be man. So why did Jesus have to be 100% divine? He, this is a mystery that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God and the Son of Man, how could he be both 100% God, 100% man? He had to be both. This is why, let me, let me answer this question. Why did Jesus have to be 100% divine? Jesus had to be God so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. Only God can save the world. A human being can't do that. Man alone cannot do it because it is man himself who must be saved. Come on, somebody. Okay, here it is. I'm gonna answer, the, I'm gonna answer these two questions this way. The Redeemer had to be truly human in order to suffer and sympathize. And the Redeemer had to be truly divine, truly, sorry, divine in order to satisfy and secure. Hallelujah. He was, you know, so much God that he walked on water, but he was so much man that John the Baptist had to baptize him. Come on, somebody. All right. He was so much God that he offered his blood and his flesh as eternal life and spiritual nourishment. And he was so much man that he ate food just like you and I. Come on, somebody. All right. And so Jesus is, right? This is what he is. It's God became a man so that God could get in man. Because he became like us, we are able to behold him, all right? And here's another one. When we behold him, we're, here's the next point. We are empowered by grace. When we partake of him, when we behold him, we are empowered by grace, okay? He is the God of all grace. He gives greater grace. He gives grace to the humble. To the humble, what is grace? It is divine empowerment. 
I believe sometimes we're asking in our prayer times for things, for breakthrough, for insight. There's nothing wrong with that. But can we uh, challenge ourselves or allow the Lord to challenge us today that I believe there's many times that we have so many requests of prayer. But I believe with all of my heart that sometimes we are just missing the opportunity to behold him in his person. I believe when we are not beholding him, we are flooded with questions. And many times the reason those questions are there are because we are not in his presence. Somebody needs to say amen. We must behold him, why? Because we need grace. And there's something about humbling ourselves before him to simply receive from him that we receive grace. Second Peter one verse four, by which we've been given it, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. We receive, we're empowered by grace when we behold him. Here's the next one. When we behold him, we partake of his holiness. Okay, we partake of his holiness. We all need the holiness of God. And holiness is not about a badge of honor for me so that I now have opportunity to look down on those that are in sin or maybe struggling with the sin that I am not. That is not the purpose of holiness. Holiness is simply becoming more like God. Not that we become a God and we are to be worshiped, but that we can actually represent him. It is about him. Holiness is about representing God. It is about being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. It is about being a representative of God. It is about living in freedom and purity in the things of God, by the spirit of God. Holiness is simply an attribute of the God that we worship. And we can partake of his holiness. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 14. And I'm gonna read all the way to verse 18. But their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. Somebody say that with me. Say the veil is taken away in Christ, beholding him. So he's talking about the Jewish community that doesn't know Jesus when they read the Old Testament. Even if they haven't memorized, there is still a veil. Why? Because it is Christ himself that removes the veil and we get to see God for who he really is. And then seeing him, we see ourselves. And seeing him, we see all of life as it should be seen. Somebody say, see. Somebody say, look. Right? So in Christ, we behold him. We see the scripture. We behold Christ. We see what God is saying. We receive from the word of God. The Holy Spirit breathes on the word of God. Verse 15. 2 Corinthians 3.15, but even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart, something covering it. 
Okay, verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Somebody say, behold him. When we behold Christ, when we turn from our sin, when we uh, come to him, when we draw nigh to him, the Bible says the veil is taken away. We can see now, we see now. Uh, as it says in the book of Revelation, anoint our eyes with eye salve that we might see. And so revelation, the word revelation, it literally means to take the covers off. And so Christ, this, this thing called Christian or just living the Christian life, being a Christian is that Christ has been revealed. The covers have been removed. I see life as it should be seen. I see myself, I see others, I see my very existence. I see God for who he is. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18, but we all, here it is, with unveiled face, uncovered, seeing God. It says beholding, somebody say beholding. Now, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are look, when we look at God, we, what, what does it mean? Beholding as in a mirror. When you look in a mirror, what is it? You're looking at yourself. Beholding, looking, gazing in a mirror. I see, when I go, when I go to a mirror, I see Sean in that mirror. Right? And so, by the Spirit of God, the, the, the reading of the scripture, communion with God in Christ, what is happening? That as I'm looking in the mirror, I am seeing Christ. I, I am being changed. I am beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When I see myself, I see his glory. Why? Because I am being changed. I, when I behold him, I am receiving his nature. When I behold him, I am partaking of his holiness. So it's like when I look in a mirror, I see myself. But when I look in a mirror now, I'm seeing his glory. I'm seeing his nature. This is what it means to be a Christian is to be changed into his image, to be more like Jesus, to reflect him. When people see us, they see him. When people experience us, they experience him. Let me read verse 17 again. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How many people are struggling with insecurity, identity issues? I am telling you, spiritually speaking, theologically speaking, our identity is found in Christ alone. When you behold him, you're going to see who you really are. When you behold him, you're going to see your true worth. When you behold him, you're going to see your value. When, when you behold him, beholding as in a mirror, looking at yourself, you can look with, with dignity at yourself because you're seeing him. You can look with res respect and honor for yourself. Love God with all your spirit, soul, and body, right? With all your, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Why can I love, love myself? Because I see God. 
Am I a God? Do I go in the mirror and say, I am a God? No, I'm not saying to be anything weird or stupid. The, 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 the theology behind this is that we are being changed and that my true identity and worth and value of a, as a person is found in beholding him. And when I behold him, I truly see myself for who I really am. And that you are loved, you are accepted, you are worth dying for, and you have a reason to exist and be alive. Hallelujah. I'm gonna read it one more time. Look at this. I'm just reading the Bible here, folks. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, one more time. But we all, somebody say everybody. Everybody that has confessed Christ is walking with God. This isn't for the super spiritual people. This isn't for those, you know what I'm saying, that grew up in church. This is for all those that are Christ followers, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Here's my next point. When we behold him, we find ourselves complete in him or we're complete in him. Our identity is secure because of his divine nature, okay? Hallelujah. Anybody, anybody ever been bothered, you know, by something? And in hindsight, it wasn't that big of a deal, okay? I'm kind of switching where we're heading here. But let me, let me, let me just say this again. Like, you know, if you ever um, been bothered by something, something frustrate you, and, and you're, you're bothered in the moment, and then in, in hindsight, right, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe and, and I'm speaking of um, your spiritual growth and progress, right? Because sometimes in a moment, it could be an emotional moment or, or, or just the moment is heightened, right? And then you look back and you go, oh man, I was kind of tripping, all right? Or, or I was a little, uh, I got a little, I got a little carried away. Wow, you know, yeah, I got a little intense, right? And so we all may have moments in some way just like that at times. But um, this is what I wanted to get to is that I know in some situations, that's just like a situation you're like, man, I need, you know, I was just kind of vulnerable or, you know, I got triggered, you know, and I was, oh, well, it's not, not, you know, I was, um, you know, it's just a moment of frustration and you're just looking at that like, oh man, I need to work on that, right? But, but when, when I'm asking this, what I'm speaking of is like, is, is that in your walk with God, you are growing, you are progressing. This is, this is God's heart here, okay? And, and, and the reason I wanted to say that is the last part of this verse in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, it, it, as, we're, as we're beholding as the mirror, being transformed the same image, and we shared some other scriptures concerning this, right? It says that we go from glory to glory. That hopefully we can look back and say, man, you know, you, you can see that um, things that maybe affected you so much before do not affect you as much anymore. Why? Because you're going from glory to glory in hindsight. You're like, I know some of us even that might be a little further down the road, you can look at your teenage years and be like, man, I really overreacted in some ways, right? 
And why? Because we as people, we've matured, we've grown, we've gotten a little more, hopefully, you know, a little more stable, right? Or a little more just settled in who we are. But I, I'm speaking on spiritual terms that, that you are going from glory to glory, okay? And so when we behold him, we're complete in him. We, 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 we must behold him, all right? We must behold him. So let's look at this again. Um, Psalm 84, verse four to seven. Let me read this. Um, Psalm 84, verse four to verse seven. Let me read this quickly. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Say law. Verse five, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Somebody say, behold him. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Verse six, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Verse seven, they go from strength to strength. We just read in Corinthians, they go from glory to glory right here in Psalm 84, verse seven. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Somebody say, behold him. And so here it is. This is my, this is my last point today. Um, when we behold him, we progress spiritually. When we behold him, we progress spiritually. Uh, this is what happens when we behold him. This is the only way for us to grow spiritually. This is how we grow. We must behold him. We can develop um, in our academia. Uh, we can develop in our relationships. We can develop in our communication. We can develop in our leadership skills. We can develop um, in all kinds of ways. And all of those things are important. I, as a father, desire for my children to develop in all type of areas. It, you know, our, our daughter is really um, artistic and she likes to draw. She's got kind of an art. She's very much a creative type person. She's very creative. She kind of comes alive at night, even as a 10 year old, like later at night, she just likes nighttime. She likes the quiet. She likes um, you know, just being creative and stuff like that's awesome. But I want her to develop administration skills just to at least understand the, 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 the necessity of that. The, I want her to be multifaceted. Come on, somebody. Right. So that's all great. And that's all awesome for uh, our development as people. But when speaking of spiritual progress, going from glory to glory, from strength to strength, that denotes progress, movement forward in God. Less of us, more of him. How does that happen? We must behold him. We must look at him. We must um, take the time to behold him. We, as Psalm 84 says here, and this whole Psalm actually, the whole chapter of Psalm 84 is amazing. I, I advise you to read it, to meditate on this whole chapter. It's a really cool chapter. It's not too long, but it is awesome. Speaking of blessed are those who dwell in your house, who they will still be praising you. Blessed is, is the man whose strength is in you, um, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. I mean, this is talking about people that are serving the Lord, that are walking with God. And it says, and as they pass through the valley of Baca, Baca means weeping, it speaks of trial, trouble, tribulation, hard time, dry season, a valley. And it says they pass through it. So just because you're obedient to God and serving him and loving him and worshiping him and, and pursuing him and, and, and walking in your calling, it does not mean you're not going to have a valley of weeping. But it's in the valley of weeping that because of the divine nature in you, because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit in you, 
You are a partaker of the divine nature. That very valley of weeping becomes a spring. You can be nourished completely, utterly, totally filled with his divine presence in a dry season. Why? The God of the universe, his very nature is in you. And when we behold him, we partake of his nature. When we behold him, we are complete. When we behold him, we are receptors of his holiness. And when we behold him, we progress spiritually. Somebody say amen out there. All right, when we behold him, the journey doesn't weary us. I'm here to tell you right now, we can feel dry at times. We can, I understand the feeling. I understand the trouble. I understand the warfare. But beholding him is the answer. Hearing from him is the answer. And when we behold him, the journey doesn't have to weary us. Because it says we go through the valley of Baca and it becomes a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. This is Psalm 84 verse 6, Psalm 84 verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean to tell me that when I am going through the valley of weeping, that I'm actually going from a one level of spiritual strength and maturity to another level of spiritual strength and maturity? Yes, that is what my Bible says. It says here that we are in, in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What am I saying? That even in the tough season and tough time, because of the divine nature, because of the incarnation, and now we are housing the Holy Spirit the divine nature in us, we progress from glory to glory, from strength to strength, even through the weeping season, the dry season, the troubled time, the trial, the process, the wilderness. Call it whatever you want, that in God you are going from strength to strength, today. Why? Because God is in man. Hallelujah. When we behold him, the journey doesn't weary us. Some people say, man, I'm getting burnt out. You don't have to get burnt out because you can behold him and receive everything you have need of in that season. I, I understand at times seasons in God are hard, but we do not have to grow weary. Hallelujah. Come unto me, all that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Somebody say, behold him. We actually get re-energized as we continue in obedience. Can I get an amen, somebody? Hallelujah. One more verse, and then we're going to pray. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 30 to 31, and I'm going to end with this. Isaiah 40, verse 30 to 31, say this with me. Say, when I behold him, I progress spiritually. Don't attach your spiritual progress to some kind of outward manifestation of success because your spiritual growth is what God is doing in you, 
even though the outside of you, what's going on on the outside of your person might not look like success or according to the world, it doesn't look like success, but that is not spiritual progress. Spiritual progress is the transformation of the soul into the very likeness and image of Jesus. Somebody needs to say amen today. Isaiah 40 verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait, somebody say beholding. But those who wait on the Lord, say it again, say behold him. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Somebody say behold him. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That this person, those, these people that wait on the Lord, they actually continue to run for God. They continue to walk in the spirit and they are not weary. They do not faint. Why? Because they behold him. They press the pause button to behold him, to fellowship with him, to be, to partake of the divine nature so that the season of weeping becomes a spring. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for everybody here today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you strengthen them, you renew them, you revitalize them, you re-energize them, you infuse life into them, you quicken them, you breathe life into them by your spirit. God, give them the strength to continue. Lord, as this word says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, I pray that they wait on you and they renew their strength. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they mount up with wings like eagles, that they run and they are not weary, that they walk and they shall not faint. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for strengthening us, God, and continuing your work within all of us, God. And, and Lord, as we behold you, and thank you for every person here today, that they are going to progress spiritually in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.